Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. So, Vic, do you think you might have ADHD? Well, listeners keep emailing me telling me that they think I do, so probably. Mind you, listeners also email us saying we talk too much about your mum's feet. So what do they know? Yeah, fair enough. I honestly had no idea about the connection between overdrinking and ADHD until we started this podcast. About 40% of people that have had any sort of drinking issues also apparently have ADHD. Whenever we chat to ex-drinkers, this comes up more than you'd believe. If you have ADHD or suspect you might, or just want to learn about this link, then we would encourage you to check out the I Have ADHD podcast. It's the place where adults with ADHD find research-based information, validation, and tons of support. This is the best way to feel less alone and hear some of the answers to the questions you've been sitting with for too long. You'll hear detailed descriptions of what it means to have ADHD and enjoy interviews with the foremost experts in the industry so that you don't have to read those ADHD books that are collecting dust on your shelf. Yeah. Listen to the I Have ADHD podcast and learn how ADHD affects every aspect of your life, from the boardroom to the bedroom. In the podcast, you'll also hear about their ADHD coaching program, which is called Focused. Focused is made up of three pillars, courses, coaching and community. It is designed to help you build your own self-improvement program and is perfect for the ADHD brain. And you can get $50 off the course just by using the code SOBER, S-O-B-E-R. So if you're tired of feeling stuck and don't know where to start, listen to the I Have ADHD podcast. The kettle's boiled, Vic. Great. Perfect timing. Just a dash of milk for me, please, mate. Here you go. Shall we get started then? Have you ever woken up on a Sunday morning and said, I'm never drinking again, and then found yourself waving 50 bucks at a barman by happy hour? Are you wondering why everyone else can stop at one, while you head to a dodgy after-party with a weird bloke called Disco Dave? If so, it might be time to take a deeper look at your relationship with your reliable social crutch, alcohol. On each episode, we'll investigate our own dysfunctional dealings with booze and find out if it's possible to stop this deeply ingrained habit before things get too messy. Yep, we're going to open up a shame shed of humiliating drinking stories to help you understand why waking up from a booze coma each weekend with a kebab sticking out of your top pocket might actually be negatively impacting your health. Hamish and I are here to delve into what it's like being sober, an unwanted warts and all look into why giving up those cheeky pints or putting down those mummy wines will make you feel happier, help your anxiety and mental health and turn you into the most sparkly authentic version of you. Won't that mean I become boring, though, Vic? Well, Hamish, we'll just have to wait and see. I'm Victoria Vanstone. I'm Hamish Adams-Cairns. And this is Sober Awkward. Alan, you're meant to be on holiday. What are you doing here? Couldn't be asked to go. Oh. Couldn't be asked to go on holiday. Romantic getaway with the wife, was it? She's gone. Oh. (laughs) So that's why you didn't go. You didn't want a romantic holiday. No, not really. No. Oh. What are you going to do instead, Alan? Nothing. 
Yeah, yeah. nothing at all. She's a lucky woman, your wife. Yeah, she's lucky. I mean, I would actually quite like it if my husband stayed at home and sent me to Bali. That's a real holiday. Actually, yeah, that's actually really sweet of you, Alan. It's actually nice of you, Alan. You don't even realise, but it is nice of you. Well done. Can't be asked is like a self-deprecating way of saying, go away on an amazing holiday by yourself. Yeah, I think he's quite sweet, Alan, really. We think the sun shines out of his ass, which might not be complete reality. No. <laughs> Maybe he just could be asked to go on holiday with his wife. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's more like it. Have you been? You had a good week? I've had a great week. I have been slowly getting back into work, which is never easy after six weeks away. No. It sort of hits you like a steam train that you actually have to yep. earn money and do jobs in yes. order to do the holidays. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. And also it's been shitty weather like England. So you've been in England and now you're back and it's like England here. It literally hasn't stopped raining for like four days. The amount of people that have cracked the old thanks for bringing the weather back with you, Joe. Oh. It's been unbearable. <laughs> I sort of love those people. <laughs> but I thought, I said this to you earlier, I thought that growing up in England, we were immune to this idea of the weather affecting our mood. Yes. Because it's always miserable and grey, so get on with life. Today is really, really pissed it down. And I'll be miserable. I didn't leave the house yesterday. Mm. And and today I had to go to the plaza, which is my least favourite place. Oh, but yeah, basically hell. Westfield. Yeah. I had to go to basically Westfield to, just to get out of the house. Oh, that's bad. And I've been down. I mean, this is miserable. I like you. I know. You're usually like a little ray of sunshine. I know. Oh dear, you're going to be miserable throughout yeah, the whole I thing. I will. I'm just oh, going to no. be like a soggy sock throughout this whole episode. You're going to have to bring the energy. Oh, God. Not the soggy sock again. <laughs> Not that one. Oh, no. that's <laughs> <right>. <laughs> and the good uh, mood's back. Yeah. Hooray. <laughs> Uh, today, our episode is called High Flyers. Why is that, Hamish? Because we're going to get high and go on private jets. Oh, yeah, I wish. <laughs> yeah, no, the reason we want to call it that is because inspired by my recent trip home, which involved a lot of different countries, a number of airports and a lot of the kind of fun that's involved with travelling long haul with a four-month-old baby, I want to focus on the role that alcohol plays at airports and on aeroplanes. Yeah, gosh, it is huge. Yep, folks, it's time to fasten your seatbelts. Check where the emergency exits are and take off on a 30-minute sober flight. Or 45. We need Alan to add some airport noises yeah, in there, don't we? We'll good. try and do that. A journey with no sick bags and a lot less visits to the toilet. Hamish did a recent post about alcohol in airports on our Instagram page and the Cuppa website got a lot of people talking. In our drinking days, we would certainly have the odd early morning airport pint or guzzled down a few mile-high Bloody Marys to settle the nerves. But since going sober, we can see just how messed up this culture truly is. Yeah, my first experience of flying sober was such an eye-opener. What might have seemed like a bit of fun to help get us in the holiday mood has turned into something far more dangerous and really just plain weird pun slightly oh, yes. intended. Plain weird. Well Thank done, you. Hamish. Good. I really appreciate that. That's one of the ones I wrote and didn't mean to and then okay. I reread it and oh, thought... Oh, clever, clever. You're you. just like a genius that doesn't even know it. <laughs> thank you so much. Air travel and all that it involves can be a huge trigger for those of us walking the sobriety tightrope. So true. Walking through that shop with the posh perfumes and a cheap vodka as soon as you've got your carry-on checked, it's just the beginning of the total booze bombardment. It's somewhat overwhelming seeing people stocking up on cheap cigarettes and Baileys along with a bucket and spade. I find myself purchasing a giant Toblerone to shake off the cabin (laughs) fever. So over the course of today's episode, we want to find out why this culture exists and offer you insight in how to avoid relapsing when confronted with alcohol at airports and on board. It's weird how often we turn to chocolates 
Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah. It's always chocolate to help the Oh, boost. Toblerone. Yes, please. <laughs> oh, a massive Toblerone. Wonderful. <laughs> Let me begin by walking you through exactly what my experience of Gatwick Airport was a couple of weeks ago. Brilliant. Okay? Yeah, I'm ready. So, I got through security and the bag check by 7am. The first thing I saw at Duty Free, alongside all those aftershaves and the discounted spirits, I was offered a taster of a spirit. At 7am? 7am. Oh so my do wanna, gosh. Do you want to try it before buying it? 7am. Okay. 7am. Once I'd made it through there, I noticed the Weatherspoons pub. Now, it was literally full. Every single table inside and even the outside area, which is still in the airport, but you know what I mean. Completely full. It was the only place in the whole airport that was full. Okay, the waitress walked past me. She was carrying three cocktails and three pints of lager. On, on a tray. At 7am. Yeah. Uh, did you, were they, did you, I'm going to have to, I've got so many questions. You can ask. Do you think they were people that had arrived at the airport and had checked in? Or do you think they were people that were on changeover flights that had got no. sort of lost between with time? No, no, no. Flew, I, flown in from Dubai no. and then flown in from here and that they were stuck there for no, a few hours. They, were too, they looked too fresh. You can tell somebody who's on a layover. It's that sort of stench and yeah, yeah, and it's a layover people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. These people have just got there. This They've was just the beginning. Yeah, for sure. And they, the thing that rattled me that there were parents drinking pints yeah. as their children had breakfast. Oh my god! Imagine ordering the kids scrambled eggs and three pints of beer. You know what? Weird I mean, I can order. imagine that. <laughs> yeah, that sounds great. No. Yeah. Um, so yes, yeah, so it literally the children. I saw a child doing. A drawing in book as the parents were drinking pints. Interesting, isn't it? We've been those people. Yes, so we're I'm, not, I'm judging. not saying no. these people are wrong. I have definitely had drinks at airports at that time, but I think now I'm sober, it just looks weirder. Anyway, then we got on the flight. Now, one of the good things about flying with a baby is you get the the seat at the front that has a what's it called? Cot. <laughs> a cot. Yeah. I should know that. <laughs> um, and that seat seems to be directly behind business class. Okay, Not which good. I always think is so unlucky. Yeah, for the, so bad. We're literally sitting half a meter away from somebody who's paid ten grand for a flight. And we've got screaming babies, a row of screaming babies. Yeah. So I feel for them, but I also feel for myself because immediately before the flight has taken off, you hear champagne bottles. Yes. So champagne bottles get opened, and the wait, the waitress, the air hostess, walks down the aisle offering everyone champagne before the flight. Nine a.m. at this time, and then once you're airborne, everyone gets stuck in, right? So people sitting around me were asking for the in-flight beers and the miniature bottles of wine before the breakfast trolley came down. Wow! So we're airborne. the The seatbelt light's gone off. Right, it's a long haul. Let's make our money back in free booze. Yeah, and it was just so extraordinary to me. But I think the pre-sober version of myself would have thought free alcohol on an overpriced flight sounds mm. like a great opportunity to even the score. You yeah. know? Let's let's drink our weight in booze so the flight's not 900 quid each way. Yeah, drink $900 worth of yeah, booze. Yeah, right. free flight. Uh, but, the, but the reason I want to do an episode on it is to focus on the dangers that all of this presents to those of us who are sober. Definitely. That is so true. What's sad is that nothing you have mentioned surprises me. It can be quite overwhelming. So let's look at three fundamental reasons why people drink in these circumstances. Why the rules concerning consuming alcohol seem to go out of the window in airports and on board flights. Yes. Okay. so let's start by talking about nerves. Yes, you'd think that'd be the main one, hey? It seems to be the big one. So around 6.5% of Americans have an intense fear of flying. Mm. I don't know what the stats are for 
reasonable fear of flying, but that is intense fear of flying. Six and a half percent. Whereas some will turn to drugs to help relax them. Lots of people take, you know, downers or yep. sleeping pills or whatever. Yep. And many will turn to the bowl and see a couple of pre-flight drinks as the perfect antidote to quieten the fear. It might even help them fall asleep, I suppose. I know a few people who have given, I think there's this drug called Nefergen or something. It's got a funny oh, kind of Swedish Fenergen. name. Fenergen. Is that what it's called? I was recommended it for babies flying. Yes, people say it can go either way. That's why it's I didn't risky, do it. That's isn't why it? I didn't do it. Yeah, you can go. Either they'll be like passed out for the whole flight or they'll be mega over the top yeah. like what's the word well, hyper hyper yeah but I was told I was only told that about two days before the flight I yeah. thought it's it's too close to the flight to risk it if, if I gave him Fenergan the day before the flight and he went mental all day yeah that would screw us for the flight anyway. I mean, it's going to have a downfall. It's going to have fallout giving your baby something. I don't recommend it giving your weird. baby anything to let it sleep The best more. thing about it is the fact it's called Fenergan, which yeah. along with Montepulciano, as I said last <laughs> week or the week before, is my second favourite word now. It sounds like a piece of furniture you might buy at Ikea yeah. <laughs> <laughs> rather than a drug. Anyway, so that is one of the reasons, nerves. I know I used to get very nervous on flights and of course I drank through many, many a flight because of nerves. Well, I said it was because of nerves, but it was actually just because I was overexcited and an alcoholic. (laughs) The other reason is celebration. Planes mean travel and travel often means a holiday. It's time to relax, put your feet up and celebrate some time off work. Sadly, we've both fallen into the trap many times of thinking that the only way to celebrate is to drink alcohol. Even if you're travelling for a work trip rather than a holiday, you might look at drinking on board the flight as a means of connecting with a new business partner or celebrating one less day spent at the office. Yeah, I think that is, pro- I would say probably 50% of drinkers in airports and aeroplanes are probably thinking, I'm on holiday, we're celebrating. Yeah, it's like an excuse. Yeah. yeah. And the rules of, people. I think people justify it by going, well, you know, we're going to Dubai and it's two in the afternoon in Dubai so it's yeah. okay for us yeah. to have a drink at 7am yeah. the watch has something to do with it yeah you move the watch you forward move and the then watch you feel okay yeah. it's fine um, finally the third reason people often drink on uh, on travel days is to do with the stress even if you don't have a fear of flying a day's travel can be highly stressful the early rise the packing the screaming children the overweight bags the pressure of having to have fun on an expensive trip the dodgy looking weather forecast all of those things can build up and result in you rewarding yourself with a drink or four once you've checked in. I'm actually going to add one here, Hamish. I'm going to add a number four, which is tradition. People drink at airports and on planes just because that's what they've always done. It's as ingrained as sipping a sunset cocktail in a pool bar or chugging steins of lager at a German beer festival. Us humans are creatures of habit and drinking at airports is just something we've all done traditionally for probably 60 years and our habits mean we automatically think, well, it's holiday, isn't it? Yeah. It's holiday, mate. And it's all normal. Day-to-day rules are shoved out of the tiny plane window and airport rules take off. Well done. I knew you, I knew you were wanting a few more airport-related <laughs> yeah, I, I knew you'd add a few when I sent it to you as well. <laughs> I'm, I haven't read that one yet. Well done. Good, thank you. If this pattern sounds familiar, you are not alone. Let us look at some of the numbers behind travel drinking. A research survey conducted by cheapflights.com.au looked at the drinking habits of 814 Australians. Of these, almost half admitted to downing their first pre-flight drink before midday and one in five confessed to drinking before 9am. 
a third conceded to having one too many before a flight, and 20% said they knew someone who was not allowed to board a plane because of drunkenness. I've got a story about this, which I think I'm going to save and tell you a little bit later. Okay, men were more. I don't. I don't want to interrupt no, the fun no, stats. No, no, yes. The story, I, like, I know you, the listeners are going. Don't tell us the story. Carry on with the stats. <laughs> so never ever interrupt the stats again, Hamish. Otherwise, I might be looking for a new co-host. <laughs> So men were more likely to drink before and during a flight than women. And 70% of parents said sinking a beer at the bar before boarding made travelling with kids all the more bearable. Yes, I can understand that. Blame the kids. Can I ask the big question, though, Haim? The one that everybody's thinking about. What is the meaning of life? No. What is Cher's surname? No, but that was actually in the quiz I did last night. Really? Yeah. Answer? It it wasn't... Um, Sonny and Cher's name, whatever that is. No. It was some weird long Italian name or that something. That is a gag that people keep cracking to me, by the way. I, they say, you're going to name your second child Cher? Oh, yeah. oh Sonny and Cher, I'm, of course. I don't know what Sonny and yeah. Cher. Oh, dear. Anyway, um, yes, is it, is it what's the function of the male nipple? Yeah, that is it, yeah. Yeah, I knew it. I knew that was going to come up. <laughs> no, it's not that. Okay, the what question, is the big question? The question is, does drinking alcohol at altitude make you more drunk? Yes, This is a goodie. And I've done some research on this. And the answer is actually really confusing. Okay, Okay, right. On the surface of it, basically, the answer is no. It does not affect you any differently. Really? I was surprised by that. I am too. Just hang in there. Okay. The blood alcohol level is the same for the same amount of alcohol you drink, whatever the altitude. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. However, it's actually a question of oxygen levels which make you feel a little different. So aeroplanes keep the cabin pressure about 4% lower than the normal pressure at sea level, which means a slightly lower oxygen intake for us. With that dip in oxygen for fuel, the brain is more susceptible to the effects of certain substances like alcohol, and so people can feel more buzzed sooner with a drink. Ah, So in other words, you're not more drunk than you would have been if you'd been drinking in a pub, but you might feel that way. That's it. Okay, that's interesting. It's about as clear as mud. No, 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 I, I've got it. I think I've got it. Biologically, you're not as drunk, but you feel different. You feel maybe a bit tipsy or a bit drunker. Interesting, yeah. I definitely felt like I felt more drunk on planes, but maybe it's, you know, the added excitement and yeah, just be. being like drunk with people on a plane was fun, so therefore you wanted to drink more. And also you've been told that the altitude makes a difference your whole life, and I think you maybe just convince yourself that that is true. Yeah, so you probably drink faster because of that, and I don't know. And it's also normally cheaper, is it, on the plane? I free. can't remember. It's only yeah, it's really easy to get Ryanair, free, you pay, yeah. Yeah, it's free, free, yeah. Anyway, we could go on about that all day. Yeah. So you've heard about what is happening and why so many people turn to the bottle in these situations. But now it's time for us to lift the skirt on some of our own embarrassing stories. Vic, take it away. You're not going to lift my skirt. You're not wearing <laughs> well, skirt. No, I'm wearing trousers. <laughs> That's why, why I always wear I'm trousers. A, I'm wearing a leather thong. <laughs> <laughs> I always wear trousers around you because I know you're a skirt grabber. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually going to surprise you here, Haim, with my lack of turbulent tails. This never happens. Turbulent. You, oh, come hang on. on okay. Pause. Well done. Thank you very much. <laughs> Sorry to disappoint you, but actually, believe it or not, I have never really been a big plane drinker. This is massive. What? I know. I, I know. I have been drunk on a plane sure. a couple of times, but I was always so scared of having a hangover on a plane and not being able to sit out the rest of the flight mm. without having a panic attack that I didn't do it. 
Okay. Yeah, because my hangovers were so bad. And also I was scared about someone cutting me off and then having to deal with a hangover <laughs> of getting too drunk on a plane and then someone saying, right, love, you've had enough. We're not serving you anymore. I would have bet my house on you being a plane drinker. No, because it, it's, it meant someone else was could take control of my yeah. drinking, I think, if we really were to go into the nitty gritty. Mm -hmm. I never drank at airports either because I knew that if someone told me to stop, there was a period between the bar and the flight mm. where I would have to act like a normal person to get on the flight. And I love traveling so much that I didn't want to risk not being let on a flight. Yeah. Yeah. So there's really good reasons, okay, actually. That's yeah. quite good. So I like traveling and I'm scared of hangover, plane hangovers enough to not drink. Yeah. And I just wanted to go to that new country or wherever I was going. I was a huge traveler for 10 years. I traveled with my backpack on my own. And knowing that I was going to a different country on my own was mm. a, enough of an experience for me to abstain, actually. But isn't that weird, given that when you were traveling, you're probably getting drunk a lot? So like, yeah, I, got I love getting I got drunk travelling so much that I don't want to get drunk on the way to travelling. That is totally right. Yeah. Like, why would I miss out on that first night in Bangkok, for example, but by being hungover when mm. I arrived? I was never going to do it. Yeah. So, and also because of that reason, I know how annoying drunk people are on planes. Yeah. So I never wanted to be one this, just because I was not drunk so I could experience mm. other people. Um, one thing I did do, though, was the smoking rooms at different airports on yeah. stopovers or wherever I was. They don't really have them anymore, actually. And smokers on planes, I do remember smoking on planes. Yeah. It's a bit like you with the kids in the in the robe in front of the first <laughs> class. I remember on the plane, it was on the same, it was in the same cabin, but it was just a row behind everyone else and everyone's smoking, one row wow. behind everyone else. Yeah. Really? Unbelievable. Yeah, it was kind of in the, I think it was still the mid-90s, Hamish, yeah. I was smoking on planes. I used to love it. I used to put them out in the little metal ashtray. Absolutely disgusting. I cannot believe that was even allowed. It's hideous. There wasn't even a glass door. It wasn't even like the trains which had smoking cabins. I remember that, yeah. but at least there was a glass door. So this is just an open... No, it's just a seat behind you. Could you, could you smell it at the back of the plane? Yeah, you smell it everywhere. <laughs> it's like 50 people smoking. Yeah. Absolutely random. And I remember those smoking rooms. You always felt a sense of camaraderie in those because yeah. you'd go in and be like, yeah, we're the smokers. We're the drinkers. Yeah, we're, yeah. The, we're a good laugh. And you'd sort of make friends in the yeah. smoking room and come out going, oh, yeah, I've got a few new mates now. <laughs> it's really weird. <laughs> Yeah, I might start smoking again, actually, just to do that. <laughs> like the last Just episode. to make friends. Just to make friends, yeah. Um, I do remember flying with a hangover once, getting really drunk with my husband in Brighton and doing karaoke and getting really drunk and knowing that I had to get a flight the next day. And that was like the worst flight of my life. Mm. And I remember getting to my destination and booking into the airport hotel. I couldn't drive. I was so oh, hungover. Wow. And just sleeping in the hotel for like 24 hours with the windows closed. <laughs> The other thing I wanted to talk about on planes was often on the news there's stories like headlines about people acting out on planes mm. and everyone's really shocked by it and, you know, someone's abused someone or someone's dropped their bag on someone's head and there's always like people filming it, aren't yeah. there, on their phones, like there was this sort of interaction between people on the plane and how they got dragged off. Mm. But often I think, Hamish, those situations are caused by what you have spoken about, the alcohol from the beginning of entering the airport until the point that they're on the plane. So that everybody's shamed on these Instagram reels and stuff mm. of them acting out on an airplane. Those people are probably in a blackout. 
and they don't know what they're doing. Somebody's got a camera in their face. They're not acting in the way they normal do normally do. And then all of a sudden they're all over the internet mm. being this absolute arsehole. I do have a sense of um, sentiment for those people. Like I feel sad for them because I, I know what it is like to be that person and not feel like yourself and it's not really their fault if you're forcing alcohol on someone and then you put them in that small space with a load of other people of course they shouldn't act out and they you shouldn't do that but some people when they're under the influence they don't really know what they're mm. doing and it can cause all sorts of terrible things to happen so i hate that bloody boo shaming it's another way of saying like you're a bad person yeah. but actually it's the environment that is creating the behavior that's true yeah i guess it's not so much forced on them but you the first thing you see when you walk through a duty free is booze, and then the pub is usually pretty close to the yep. end of the duty free. It's usually the first one or two shops that you see. So I guess yeah. for some people that can't control those nerves or that excitement yep. or whatever it is, then yeah, it can be an unavoidable drink. But it's something that they will never live down. If you're getting marched yeah. off a plane yeah. for being over intoxicated, it's something that could affect the rest of your life. You know, you might even get arrested or something. Mm. And everyone's like, oh, they're such a terrible person. Look what they did. They got drunk on a plane. Whereas, in fact, that whole environment is telling you to get drunk. Yeah. So it's really underhand almost, isn't it? Also, I think drinking on planes is quite toxic for kids. Now that I'm sober, I would say that, of course. Seeing everybody around being pie-eyed isn't the best sort of message, is it, on a plane? <laughs> if you would like to support the Sober Awkward podcast, we're excited to announce that we've joined Patreon. Patreon is a membership platform which allows you to give back for the content you love. By buying Sober Awkward a cuppa once a month, we can keep the giggles coming and continue sharing our sobriety message. By joining Patreon, you get access to Sober Awkward merch, extra content, special promos and loads more. Just find the link in the show notes or head to patreon.com and search for Sober Awkward. And together we can learn how to feel the awkward and do it anyway. I just want to tell a quick story about my parents carrying a human head onto a plane. It's <laughs> another plane story. My parents went to bloody America and <laughs> bought a ham hock. Okay. Yeah, they didn't eat it while they're away, so they decided to put it on their on the, in their luggage on their carry on to fly from America back to, to Europe. England. Yeah. Oh wow! And it went through the um, BP machine, and the guy, they heard the guy on the speaker <laughs> thing talking over the walkie-talkie say, "I think we got a human head." <laughs> what? Yeah, and they pulled it. It looked exactly like a human head on the <laughs> on the scanning machine. They pulled out as this big bloody ham hock. I'm sure there are rules about not travelling with food. I'm sure there are. My parents Do don't give a shit. Though. That? I've got yeah. to, um... They carry all sorts of things in their suitcase, <laughs> I should imagine. Yeah, so they didn't they did actually get the the whole ham through and it wasn't a person. You can't head. say that on the podcast. What if there's someone from airport security who's listened to the podcast who now knows your surname, knows your parents' name, they'll be well waiting for them. They worry, Check it's only a Christmas bags. ham. Don't worry Check about it. Their bags, Vic said they carry all sorts of shit on the flights. Yeah, I mean like strepsils and <laughs> Head pillows, like nothing, nothing like too bad. Not human heads. Strepsils. <laughs> Where did that come from? <laughs> well, for me, I was a celebration type drinker. I did not have the fear of flying or the stressful excuse. I've always quite enjoyed. <laughs> I've always quite enjoyed airports and aeroplanes. Actually, I, I don't mind them. So I think for me, particularly as an 18-year-old, it was like, oh what? The drinks on the flight are 
free? When does this ever happen? Not only are we going on holiday, but the drinks are free and you can hit a button and somebody comes down with a tray and gives you one. <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> yeah. And the try. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's exciting for anyone, let alone when you're on your first holiday with your mates. You know, of course you're going to get get stuck in. The hangover on the plane thing, yes, yeah. your greatest fear and something that I have had quite a few times, not always from being drunk on an airport or on, on the plane specifically, but like being drunk in the afternoon of an evening flight. Yes, yeah. And I'm fine at the airport and then... Usually, like doze off on the flight, and I wake up boiling hot, sweating. I have thrown up in so many of those bags. I also get travel sickness. Oh, really? In my defence, I also get travel sick. But yeah, I have been hugging at the toilet of airport loos many, many a time. Oh no, that's awful. It is one of the worst places that you can be hungover. And one of the worst places that you can throw up. Because also, you know, sure. there's been so many bums on that seat. Yeah. Yeah. Also, and I think I felt this more early in my life, so I guess probably before drinking, but there, there's nothing more demeaning than handing another human a bag of your sick yes, to dispose of. Yeah. I felt so bad with the air hosts and the air yeah. hostesses. You hand them a bag of sick yeah. and what are they have to Thank walk, you very much. Yeah. Yeah, walk usually quite far yeah. to the nearest loo or sick. I don't oh. know what they do with it. But yeah, being like hot and sweaty and hungover in aeroplane loo when you know there's a queue outside... Oh is rough and also the lighting in an aeroplane loo is always so bright yeah. <laughs> you look at you know half of the wall is a mirror and you look at yourself just Ooh. pale and ill looking did you have to change sunny's nappy while you were you know what yeah i loved it oh did you I, I, there's nowhere that i've enjoyed changing nappies more than aeroplane loos but because bad. it's so small and you've yeah. got the change table and the, the bin is right next to you and they've always got hand sanitizer there yeah. and hand moisturizer, I thought this is built for changing nappies. Yeah, I loved good. it. Yeah, loved I loved it. it too. I've never done it. My husband does it, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you love the idea of it. I love the idea <laughs> of it. <laughs> so, oh, no, yeah, funny. no, I really enjoyed that really, more, than, more than ever. Now, let me tell you the story. Okay, is this the story you were going to tell earlier? This is the story I was going to tell earlier. Okay, go on. So this was one of my absolute best mates I've just seen. And he was in Hong Kong, he had an evening flight, and he went out by himself. And he had, turns out, more drinks than he thought he'd had. Mm. Anyway, Hong Kong does this amazing thing, which all countries need to do, where you can check your bags in, in town. So you don't need to go to the airport at 8pm to check your bags in. You can go to central train station That's amazing. at midday or 10 yeah. in the morning when you when you get kicked out of your hotel, check your bags in and then pick them up when you land in Australia. That it? is crazy. Unreal. So how did, what what sort of machine do they use? It's, it is, I think it's literally called central train station and it's, and it looks like, oh, it's like a normal train station, but they've got one of the, it's a train. one of the treadmills for your bag and it disappears and then you never see it until you get off your flight. Oh, it's amazing. unreal, absolutely yeah. unreal. Anyway, so he checked his bag in and he went out and had a few drinks. He then said he got to like the checking counter and he was on the phone to a mate and he thinks he spoke quite loud on the phone being yeah. a bit of an asshole. Right. And he thinks he got flagged then. He then got onto the flight and he strapped himself in and an air hostess walked down, tapped him on the shoulder and said, I'm sorry, you're too the the, the pilot has told me that you are too drunk to fly today. We're going to have to take you off the flight. Oh, no. So, and you know, his bag is already on the flight. So he has to get frog marched off. Oh, no. Then everyone there has to wait for them to find his bag in oh, the ca- no. in the undercarriage bit and get it off. So they're probably delayed. I don't know how long that takes. Oh. An hour, you'd assume. The humiliation. They then 
to be fair to the airline, they put you on a flight the next day. So you don't have to buy another ticket, but you have a night. You need to go, you have to get accommodation for the night mm. and just deal with the shame God. of that. And he was yeah, by himself, yeah. wasn't even like, out with mates. He just had a few drinks. Well, it turns out more than he thought. But yeah, a few a few drinks before the flight. There's so much shame around when you drink, after you drink, before you drink. And yeah. then, you know, the aftermath. So much that can go wrong, isn't there? So was he all right the next day? He just got on the next flight? No. Has I he don't. drank since? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has drunk since. But yeah, I thought that's the sort of story I always think you hear, you read about it or someone was a dick on a flight. But like, yeah, literally one of my best mates and that happened to him. Oh, God. I do oh. feel a bit sorry for him. Like, I just, I just feel bad because it's, you know, it's sort of expected of that situation. That's what sort of makes it sick. It's like a fucked up, upside think, down scenario. I, think, I, I I think you're being too kind. I think I I don't feel bad because it was his call. And I think if I'd been on yeah, his flight, mean, yeah. if I was been on his flight, I would hate him. Yeah, fair I'm enough. Like, You've got drunk, so I have to sit on the on here on the flight for an hour and a half extra, not seeing my family and friends, or not being on the holiday that I've booked. Yeah, I would be livid. Yeah, actually, yeah, no, fair enough. But you're a better person than me. Yes, yes, I am. <laughs> yes it's true. I, I'm That's glad you've learned what we're that. Yes, yeah, I'm glad you know that now. <laughs> So if any of you are thinking, I don't really see the problem in any of this, isn't it just a bit fun? It might be important to remind ourselves at this point of the effect this can have on those of us trying to stay sober. And we must remember, drinking for some of us, including me, is not as simple as a couple of sparklies as we wait to get on board. It's a long and complicated relationship. So the casual way drink is consumed at airports can be a trigger. Our Instagram followers and Cuppa members shared some of their experiences at airports and on flights. I don't think I've ever done a post. I I'm, I'm generally put these posts out and don't think too much about them. You yeah. know? This one, it exploded. It I was did. so excited by the amount of people that, that weighed in with their opinions. Yeah. So loads of people had these stories to share. So Vaughnstagram said, I personally don't think it should be allowed before midday. It makes me sad seeing parents drinking in the pub when it's breakfast time for their kids. Yeah, that's exactly what you said, isn't I it? Saw it's the same. it. I saw it. Many Lee Cruises, I think she could be an air stewardess, she says alcohol is rampant in the airports and on the plane. It is not unusual for someone to order a whiskey neat as a pre-departure beverage at 6am or earlier. In fact, alcohol is just deeply ingrained into all aspects of aviation. Drinking culture among crew is similar to that of the military. Almost everyone does it. That makes me feel a bit better, actually, that the yeah. air stewardess is also Yeah, and the military. I, yeah. I, I sort of refer... You, you feel like you're similar to the air hostesses, and I'm like, I'm relating to the military. <laughs> well, <laughs> the military say? do it, it makes it all right. <laughs> um, sober Lime said, I've been sober now for almost three years, but my last relapse was, in fact, at an airport. Mm. That little voice came into my head saying no one would know since I was travelling alone. I ended up fainting on the plane when I was in line for the bathroom and hit my face on one of the metal carts. It was so embarrassing. They gave me oxygen and someone in first class switched seats with me so that they could keep an eye on how I was doing. I think they are such an easy place to slip up. Gosh, yeah. So no one considers that. The people at the airport are just advertising it everywhere, pushing it in every every direction. They never consider that people might not want that. I bet she's not the only person who's relapsed at an airport. I bet she's not as well. But God, that, that really escalated. That is such a horror story. Yeah. Sober teacher says, I went on my first sober holiday in August and the bit I struggled the most was going to the airport and then on board the flight. I had a massive FOMO 
and had to remind myself that I would feel better when getting off the plane sober. So there you go. She hasn't even got to her holiday, mm. which you think would be the biggest trigger. And in fact, it's actually just being at the airport before she's even arrived at her destination. Yeah. 85AU says, I'm an airline pilot. My bread and butter is mining flights. It amazes me the amount of drunks we are trying to get on board the plane. $16 pints at 8am is kosher because they've been without for two weeks on the rigs. It's all a bit of fun and games until the hostie gets their arse slapped or someone tries to smoke in the toilet. Alcohol induces cases of sexual assault. They're becoming more common in the mines. Low alcohol is being introduced at mining camps, though. But this guy says they'll be dry before the year's out. He said it's a great discussion. Yeah. So there you go. It's actually the the repercussions of somebody being drunk leads to so many other things. And in this case, in the mines, it can lead to sexual assault. Yeah. It's frightening, isn't it? I bet quite a few air hosts and air hostesses have probably had inappropriate things said and done to them by drunk people on Absolutely. flights. Absolutely, and I bet a lot of them have left their jobs mm. because they couldn't deal with the drunk people on the flights yeah. and in those situations. There is a dark side to this. Let's there have definitely a drink for is. a laugh, isn't there? There is, yeah. Amy Armstrong said, I find travelling to be really the only time I'm triggered. Such a habit of drinking as soon as I get to the airport. Yeah, just that habit. Tammy says, fear of flying. I have a friend who downs two doubles on top of her Xanax just to get on the plane. I can't tell you how dangerous that is, mixing drinks mm. and drugs like that. I wonder how common it is for people to numb out in this way. Very, I would say, Tammy. Since I've removed alcohol, my experience is so much better. I arrive slightly dehydrated as usual, but clear and ready for my adventure. Flying is actually so much more fun, she says. Mm. Yeah, we do forget that the bit that we're on the flight for is the holiday. Yeah. That's the highlight. That's the thing to maximise and feel good for, not the yes. flight. And it's like we said about our feeling episode, about actually, you know, feeling those emotions, feel the joy of being on a plane and going on holiday. Mm. You don't have to numb it out with booze. Yeah. And finally, Kate Renson says, we think it gets our holiday started, but in reality, for me anyway, I often felt rough by the time I got off the flight and then continued for the duration of the holiday. So I certainly never felt refreshed and relaxed when I got home. I feel so much less anxious flying now too. Really weird. That Lots of us right. can relate to needing a holiday at the end of a holiday. Yeah, yeah is... especially with kids. Yeah. I just get home and go, right, this is the holiday. <laughs> Being on holiday is just same shit, different location. Yeah. You guys going to school is my holiday. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah basically, that's so true. <laughs> Drinking alcohol is actually banned on all other forms of public transport. But sadly, the drinking culture around airports and aeroplanes does not look like it's going to change anytime soon. So what can you do to actually avoid these triggering environments and make sure no in-flight anaesthesia takes place? Let me stop you for a second there, because actually, having just got back from the UK, I was surprised that it's not banned on all forms of public transport. Yeah. You can have a beer on the tube, on the train. Oh, yes, you can. Uh, on the bus. Yeah. In the street. You know, that's the thing, living in Australia, you're not allowed to drink publicly here. No, you're not. You're right. Whereas in England, every street... Park, mm. I mean, literally anywhere you can walk around with a pint, which is I very think that noticeable. just meant penny farthings. Yeah, that is illegal because you do need both hands. You do need both <laughs> yeah, hands on yeah, penny yeah. farthing in 1884. Yeah. Yeah, so I think I meant that there. Yeah, just a bit Sorry about that. That's yeah. okay. Yeah. The obvious one is to not fly until you feel ready. Avoid airports. I know we try and make that sound a bit rash. Mm. <laughs> but actually, if you're in your early sobriety, that's got to be the most important thing. So avoiding going on planes where something's going to really trigger you and possibly make you drink again 
it's a no-go. Yeah. So don't do it. I know that sounds extreme. It but does giving sound extreme. up drinking is quite extreme for lots of people. Yeah. So sometimes you've got to do extreme things to, to stay sober. Totally. Thinking of another way to celebrate or relax at the airport. Guys... It's an airport. Take your pick of things to do. There are restaurants. You can get a massage. You can buy yourself something for the upcoming trip. As a side note, Singapore Airport, which I had to go through on the way there and on the way back, is the best airport. It has the world's biggest indoor waterfall and the world's biggest indoor slide. What, so there's like a water park in there? No, it's not a water slide. You're confusing the two things. Damn it. (laughs) There is a waterfall and a slide. They are not connected. Oh, that's a shame. Water slides are my favourite thing. Me too. Ah, oh, excellent. Yeah. got so much We should fun. go to Wet Miles. Oh, yeah, I'm going. I'm actually going in a couple of weeks. When? Yeah, I'll, we'll talk about it afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> Get your diary out. <laughs> Play it forward. You know what you're like when you are drunk. Are you sure you want to put yourself and everyone on your flight through that? The alcohol is not a long-term fix to any anxiety you might be feeling about the flight. Face your fear. Like, there's a really strong one there. Like, you know, you might feel nervous, but there's nothing better than getting through something that makes you nervous unaided Mm -hmm. and coming out the other end and going, yes, I did it. I was nervous, but here I am in Portobanus, perfectly happy with my Lilo and sun cream. There's nothing better than that. You always talk about play it forward. I've invented a new term for this, which is play it back. (laughs) If I just say the following three words, almost like a mantra, next time I think about having a drink in an airport... Aeroplane, loo, hangover. Those memories are more than enough to keep me from drinking on a travel day for the rest of my life. Yeah. If you're travelling with kids, remember the message that it's giving. We need to drink to relax. We need to drink to calm our nerves. We need to drink because that's what you do at airports. Remember their squishy little brains soaking up these correlations and associations. You're the cycle breaker, remember? We talk about that a lot. Break the cycle of drinking at airports and show the kids there's more stuff to do. Like slides. Like slides at (laughs) Singapore. Observe and question. If you feel like drinking, just sit for a moment and watch the people in the airport bar. Would you rather be there with them, washing away your anxiety short term and drowning out your true personality and then being late for your flight? Or would you rather be present and clear-headed, smug with a crossword book and perfectly weighed carry-on baggage? Also, think about the cabin crew. They are not bar staff. They don't deserve to be hassled and cajoled by those that have been drinking since dawn. Actually, bar staff don't either. (laughs) One thing sobriety brings is more thoughtfulness. So be more thoughtful towards those that are looking after you on your flight. Don't hand them bags of sick. No, don't. And be happy just to be on a flight and be going somewhere. That should be enough to get your happy endorphins firing off. The pandemic is over and you're up, up and away. Don't dumb it out and get carried off the plane by security. It's not a good look. No, it's not. It's also very privileged, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Like, you have managed to afford to go on a flight. Yeah. Enjoy the fact you're going on a holiday. Don't be a prick and ruin it because lots of people can't do it. Exactly. It's clear that what is is considered fun for some can be a trigger for others. Aeroplanes and airports are just that, a place where the normal rules of when and how much to drink do not apply and it is difficult to avoid. Until we can afford our own private jets, Mm, might be a while off, Hamish, the way things are going, (laughs) then we can ditch airport waiting rooms altogether and be served whatever we like on board. I'm thinking naked waiters, Hame, and a room full of tea and chocolate. 
I want a separate room for the children. Yeah, that'd be soundproof nice, wouldn't it? room like this for yes, children. Yes, yeah, that'd be nice. Naked waiters handing out kombucha. Yeah, lovely. <laughs> well, yeah, until that day comes, it's important that we are prepared for the challenges these environments will bring. Airports have been the location of many a relapse. We hope that what we've discussed in this episode will help you avoid falling into that same trap. I wonder if this culture will change, Vic. I did have a quick look online, Hamish, and I did find out that actually it is changing a little bit in some countries. Obviously, some of the Middle Eastern countries and more Muslim populations don't allow alcohol on the aeroplanes at all or at the airports, in fact, which is great. Some airlines in America have implemented temporary bans since COVID, which is great. And because there was a significant surge in rowdy passengers over the last 10 years in America on all airlines, Actually, Southwest Airlines and American Airlines have decided to restrict alcohol sale throughout the summer months because they found that's when people were more likely to get drunk on planes, oh, basically. A small step in the right direction. Yeah, so a few things are changing for us sober people. Hopefully, it will get to the point where we will be able to have a sober flight because, well, I don't know, though. Do you, Hamish, what do you think? I'm not sure if that day will come. No, maybe we could start a sober airline. Well, that's what I'm saying. We get private jet. Yeah, sober air. Sober air. Yeah. We that, can, we'll need a better name than that. Yeah. Flying high, no more. <laughs> it's literally the opposite of flying high, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> yeah. Flying just normal. Yeah, flying happy. Yeah. Happy flyers. Um, well, with travelling in mind, I thought of this, I didn't think of it, it's an anonymous quote. It's one of those ones that you see like on a sticker, really. Yeah, on a stick. On the end of a tiny little stick. <laughs> one of those quotes you always Oh, read. yes, the stick. <laughs> <laughs> things have got weird yeah. the quote is sobriety is a journey not a destination oh that is so true it's very bumper sticker but I like it yes and it never ends that's the thing you have to always be conscious of your sobriety if you decide to give up drinking that sounds overwhelming for some but being sober I would say it's a pleasure Yes. Yeah. And it will end. It ends when we die. Yes, it will end. Not before. Uh, what? What? <laughs> it ends when we die. I'll not die. Curled up, very old, in a bed surrounded by loved ones. Oh, yes. Lovely. <laughs> Excellent. All our friends that haven't texted us back. <laughs> yeah. On that note. Yeah. On that note. Thanks for listening. <laughs> If you're questioning your relationship with booze, you're struggling to moderate, or your hangovers are causing anxiety, it might be time to reach out for some support. Yeah, just talk to a mate about how you're feeling, contact a local doctor, find an AA or sobriety group. Vic's got one. Yeah, just head to www.cuppa.community. Remember, if you're questioning yourself, it might be time to seek support. Even though this journey can be awkward, it is definitely worth it. And if you've enjoyed the Sober Awkward podcast, don't forget to review it, rate it, and share it with your mates. Do they have to share it with their mates? Yeah, of course they do. I'm not doing this for nothing, Hamish. Bloody hell. How do they share it? I don't know. Just write it on the Hi there. I wanted to tell you about a podcast that I think every single one of you will benefit from. It's called Therapy Works, and it's hosted by me, Julia Samuel. I'm a best-selling author and psychotherapist. I invite you into my therapy room, where I speak to either a known or unknown guest. Topics range from the difficulties of divorce, a life-changing illness, to the struggles of motherhood. Search Therapy Works now, wherever you get your podcasts, and subscribe to make sure 
you never miss an episode. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. So, as you probably know, my comedy memoir, A Thousand Wasted Sundays, is officially out. All my magnificent fuck-uppery in one awkward hit. If you'd like to get your hands on a copy, it's now available from all good bookstores. We always say all good bookstores, don't we? Yeah. Are, there, are there bad bookstores? There's probably ones with moody, moody sellers. Oh, yeah, really yeah. depressed librarian folks. Yes, yes, okay, yes, good, yes. Good. So there are probably some, but we're only storing it in the good ones. It's only made it into the goodies. Yeah. You can also get it from all good online retailers. The print version and ebook are out now, and the audiobook will be available in March. I've been writing my memoir for five years. It will make you laugh, cry, and cringe, and hopefully inspire a few people to reconsider their relationship with booze. If you love the podcast, then I think you'll love the book, even if I do say so myself. Hamish has read it. What did you think? I feel like I know a little bit too much about you now, to be honest, Vic. Look, I really loved it. It was hilarious and surprisingly moving, but I feel like I've seen you naked in a literary sense. Does that make sense? (laughs) Yeah, that's worrying. Yeah. Yeah. From an emotional point of view, seriously, it wobbled my teeny-weeny wooden heart, Vic. Okay. (laughs) My teeny little wooden heart. Well, his teeny little... His wooden heart is broken. Anyway, so if you do manage to get your filthy mitts on a copy, please do me a favour and head to goodreads.com and give me a review. Doing that will help me get it out there to those that need a bit of sober support. So there you have it. My story, unwanted warts and all. Come and get awkward with me. Not to be too demanding or anything, but seriously, go and buy it Yeah, now. go and buy it. Go and buy it right now. Yeah, don't just tell your friends. Buy it and then buy your friends one or two. Yeah, yeah, don't give them a copy. Yeah. Buy it, yeah. And you know what? Don't be careful where you store it. If you lose it, you can always buy another yeah, five. Yeah, buy another one. Yeah. <laughs> 